Welcome to Season 2 of Let's Break Up, Toxic Workplace Stories. Join hosts Nicola and Gina as they tackle workplace toxicity head-on. Real-life stories, well-being, and standing against toxicity await you. Let's break up with toxic workplaces and create a revolution of positivity together. As a disclaimer, Nicola and Gina's opinions are solely their own and don't represent professional advice. It's just their perspective, so form your own conclusions. Heads up! This podcast may contain adult content and explicit language. So let's dive in and break up with toxic workplaces. What's up? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Very excited about our discussion. Ooh. (laughs) Stop us. We're we're a little bit excited too. We thought this would be. We are too. We, are, we, are. Hey, hey. We're like, we haven't actually had anyone who's like a man who wants to talk about toxic um men. Men. what i know so, men, men just really love day. talking about themselves yeah. i mean and barbie i mean goodness but did, did you both saw it right I've seen Barbie. I didn't you need to it's it's cute but it's also it's, like hey. It's no, it's cute, would, and then I, it's also subversive. It's so subversive. Right, that's, I love that's, it. All right, so before we get into it, tell yeah. us who you are, what you're going to talk about, and I'll just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, where are you calling from? Tell us all the deets. Mm-hmm. All the deets. Okay, so uh, my name's Jeff Harry. I live in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. I run an organization called Rediscover Your Play, and the whole goal is to make work suck less because I travel all over the country and sometimes other parts of the world and everyone just hates work right now. <laughs> like everyone is just so angry. I mean, and it's to the point that I talk to people a lot and they're just like, I don't even want to work like any job. Like I'm just done. And I think of a I lot would of like it. To has not to, work. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't that just be like amazing or heck, the amount of people that I've talked to where I'm like universal basic income would give them freedom to pursue some art or some other mm-hmm. thing that they actually want to do. Um, as for my origin story, my origin story is, did you ever see the movie Big with Tom Hanks? So I saw that movie when I was in third grade and I was like, you can you can play with toys for a living. And I was like, that's a job. So I started writing toy companies in third grade. And then I did not stop until I got into the toy industry. And I don't know if you've ever gotten exactly what you've always wanted and then been so disappointed when I feel like you that's, got it. Like, I feel like we we started hearing this story since we started doing this podcast. People are like, I got the job that I've always wanted. Yep. And then it was terrible. Or I ended up hating the company yep. that I used to love so much. It's like, yeah. So I haven't like, particularly I was- had that, but. Like yeah. I've wor- I was working for a toy company thinking there would be toys, thinking there would be play, thinking there would be high fives and people that are happy. None of and that. snacks like and sna- definitely snacks, at least some snacks. But instead, it was just toxic people, a lot of egos and a lot of like backstabbing. And I was like, what is happening? Like, where's the joy? Where's the fun? So I left. I was in New York at the time. I left there. I came to the San Francisco Bay Area. I piddled around for a while. I had no idea what I was doing. I did a bunch of odd jobs. And then I found a job on Craigslist, which is a super shady site in the US where, you know, I feel like it's gotten shadier. It's even gotten shadier. You like you pick up 
furniture on that site or you have misconnections. But I found a job teaching kids engineering with Lego. So and it was just like, ooh, I got to play with Lego for a living. And I joined this organization. It was only seven people at the time. And us nerds were able to grow it into 400 people. And mm-hmm. it became like the largest Lego inspired STEM organization in the U.S. And while we did that, we got the attention of Silicon Valley. So then they were like, hey, do you do team building events? And we're like, of course we do. No, we didn't. We were just making stuff you up. Always as we went yes. Always like, you always say, say yes. Entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always say yes. Figure it out on the backside. Figure it out on the back end, right? Like, yeah. so we oh my God, building we've got a whole gigantic. Program. Right. We started oh building God, gigantic things years. out of Lego. Yeah, we started partnering with Lego. We started working with like Google and Facebook and all these companies. And I was expecting them to be the best, right? Because they're supposed to be so amazing. And they were toxic places too. There were a lot of people that were not happy at those jobs. And these were the considered the best companies in the world. So mm-hmm. then in like 2019, I created Rediscover Your Play because I was like, I want to make workshops that address why work sucks so much so the first workshop i ever made was called dealing with a-holes in the workplace through play and i went to boston i went to australia to speak about it yeah i just went all over all over the all over with my friend gary Ware. and then since then all of my workshops are about healing workplaces and just addressing toxicity and toxic masculinity in the workplace. So when did you um, become aware, like when was your, the light bulb moment about the toxic masculinity at work? Oh, well, I became aware of toxic masculinity in fifth grade when (laughs) I was at the, when I was at the mall with my sisters and they got catcalled and then they can, and I would always, and I was like, dudes are gross. Like, uh, like that was one of my first, conclusion like why is dude so gross and then i realized that i was like oh i'm a dude i'm a dude like oh so i had already like dealt with that many times with my sisters with a lot of my uh friends identify as women um but i i didn't i knew it was toxicity in the workplace with like my first job at toys r us Mm -hmm. but i didn't know it was toxic masculinity until I started to see that pattern at almost every company I was at, where a majority of the most incompetent leaders were men, and they also were the meanest. And I was, and then it wasn't even just that, but even the women that were also toxic embraced a lot of toxic masculine traits. So they started mm-hmm. acting like a lot of the men because that's what was supposed to be like the type well, that of leadership. Was, right. That was the model of leadership. That was so the model. In order to get ahead, they need to adopt those, you know, ideals. So I remember working for Toys R Us, right? And this was like mm-hmm. 2000. So I was working for the corporate office. Oh my God, we're I got in the job. Old. Wait, what? We're all so old. I'm like, I know, I know. I'm like, 2000. 2000? And I'm like, oh, let no, me tell really you about is. black and white television, everybody. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> Rotary World phones. War II. Oh my God, yeah. we were just yeah. talking about this the other day. And I was like, do we all remember dial up? And then you couldn't yeah. get a telephone call. Like your mom would get a call yeah. and it would drop out your internet. Oh my God, it was the worst. And you'd be or, like, don't do you remember calls. When I'm like, I am in. Right. Or do you remember when you're on a call with a friend? with your friends or or heaven forbid your 
you know, the person you're dating and you had to bring the long cord yep. into the bathroom. And then and then someone else would get on and you'd be like, get off the phone. Get a, I'm on the phone right now. Is someone there? Are you breathing? Is, is, someone's breathing. Oh, yeah. Who's there? Is someone, someone's, I know someone's there. Get off, Jeff. That's what <laughs> I would on. do. Okay, wait. Do we, we done grace for a second because our telephone number, our home telephone number in South Africa was one digit off a radio station. Yeah. So we'd get these radio station calls and it would be like, can I talk to like so-and-so on the radio? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Please hold the line. And I'd put just the phone next to the thing and just walk away. That is amazing. <laughs> so actually this reminds me, and then I'll, I'll eventually answer your question, but this reminds okay. me. So one of the reasons why I became so aware of toxic masculinity without knowing what the words were, was my sisters would come home from like a fight with their boyfriend and they'd go right up to me and they go, if you do what he did to me, I'll cut your balls off. Like if you ever okay. do this to a girl, but they never told me what they did. So I just didn't do anything during high school because I was like very scared of what might happen. So that, that made me aware. So yeah. So anyway, when I joined Toys R Us, I was at the corporate office in New Jersey. I was living in Brooklyn and then 9-11 happened mm -hmm. while I was there. And I lived in Brooklyn, but I was commuting to New Jersey. And right then and there, I was just like, I don't want to die in a cubicle. Like, just seeing it happen firsthand. Yeah, you know, it was you know, really traumatic. Right that. Mm -hmm. So that I left, but I stayed with Toys R Us. And I helped open their store, their 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 largest toy store in the world, the, the Times Square Toys R Us. It had the biggest Ferris wheel in a toy store ever. And it had the literally had the Jurassic Park T-Rex from the first movie. And I and my job was to play with toys underneath the T-Rex. So I was like, this is a dope job. The way in which you got the job, you had to sing the Toys R Us theme song. So everyone's just like, I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Like like everyone was like family. Right. And then. Right after Christmas, family just disappeared and they just laid off everybody. They fired people at 3 a.m., like the whole night crew. They would have mm -hmm. them work like a few hours and then they just had cops escort them out or security what? escort them out. Yep. Like and with as no, soon as like, no, no warning. No, no warning, nothing like no warning. And then with us during the daytime, they would just ask us to go downstairs and then you'd never see the person again. Because, again, they would get escorted out. And when that happened, I was like, I was 22 years old. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is just not right. So I wrote a manifesto. I didn't know what it was, but I wrote this document outlining, like, how messed up that was. And I printed, like, 60 copies. Oh and my I God. just put him, I put him in mailboxes like Jerry Maguire, not realizing what I was doing. And then they thought I was trying to unionize the store when I didn't even know what I was doing. But I was just like, this is wrong. You were um, just like saying then, like you were yeah, pointing out a wrong that you saw. Yeah. Did you even know would like at that age and at that time, would you even know how to unionize anything? No. I wouldn't. No. I been like, Some, What's someone union? came up to me and was like, you need to talk to this person. And I was like, about what? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, what what what's what does that actually mean to unionize? And that freaked them out because that was their flagship store. And if that happened there, then it could happen across the entire, you know, country, if not 
bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I started getting ostracized more and more. My hours got cut. You know, whenever I was speaking to two or three people, a manager would come over to break it up. And then I just eventually just left. I stayed with Toys R Us for a little bit longer. Like I transferred to their location in the in the West Coast because I just wanted to get out of New York. But yeah, yeah that was my first experience of like, oh, like work kind of sucks when you have crappy leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. I don't know. I you go ahead, Nicola. Oh, no, I was going to say, okay, so we, we're starting to see toxic, posit- uh, toxic positivity. Oh, you God. just love well, that there, topic. We can talk about that too later. Yeah. <laughs> Circle all the way back around. Um, so you're seeing toxic masculinity from your sisters. All right. I want to, I'm curious to know, like, how did that change your thinking? Like, other than being terrified about losing your dick. Yeah. How did it change your thinking? Did you start identifying... <laughs> Like situations where you're like, oh my God, like who are these people? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Our podcast is powered by the seamless one-click installation and WordPress starter wizard from SiteGround. Choose from pro designs, add contact forms, online stores, portfolios, all automated, no tech stress. Say goodbye to mundane setups and hello to a stunning podcast platform. Join us on Let's Break Up Toxic Workplace Stories and let SiteGround handle the digital stage for you. Launch your podcast website effortlessly, because breaking up with toxicity starts here. Yeah, I mean, because I always I always had more, you know, female friends or, or women that identified as, you know, identified that way than, than men. And just listening to their stories, I was like, I was always like, oh, I don't want to be that dude. Like, I can't be that dude. But when I started seeing it in the workplace, I saw it as just like a lot of insecurity, like masked in aggression. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, a few years later, I worked on the Obama campaign. Great, great organization at the time. They got they got you know him elected. That was awesome. But then there was this outgrowth of the Obama campaign called Organizing for America. And I worked for them. And I had a toxic masculine boss who was like clearly feeling insecure. And because of that, would constantly make these arbitrary metrics that we had to hit so that he looked good. And that just got it really exhausting. You know, and just knowing the more and more I talked to him and realized like how insecure he was, a lot of things we were just doing just because this guy did not know who he was. And I was like, Mm -hmm. is this happening everywhere? I was like, what is why is this the case? Um, so then I've, of course, again, I left that organization and the way I left that organization at the time was like three of us quit at the same time, you know. And we were in charge of like running a pretty significant part of California in organizing around like healthcare and education. Um, and they continued to hire toxic leaders. Mm. And I was so, like, I don't get it. That's not for you. Yeah. What do you think? Um, you you t- you said aggression and insecurity. So what do you think are like the traits of a toxic, a toxically male leader that that's i love that you asked that as i'm literally about to do a a workshop a virtual workshop called why ted lasso's 
masculine and feminine leadership matters. And I, where did I break it down here? Um, so traits that I talk about a lot is bullying, um, avoiding losing at all costs, restraining one's emotions, um, during conflict, you know, showing that strength through aggression, right? And then constantly trying to exhibit dominance while masking, you know, insecurity and and a certain level of weakness. So those are the traits that I've seen. And I and I talk about it all the time. Like you see it in Elon Musk, you see it in Steve Jobs, you saw it in Jeff Bezos, you see it with the Wolf of Wall Street. And what's funny is all these dudes are celebrated. Like they're all celebrated as like geniuses and and uh, monarchs of industry, you know, and they're just as horrible as like Rockefeller and all those other people back in the like, 1930s and 40s of just exploiting people and then doing a really good job, a really good PR job of making it look like they're really smart. When frankly, look what Elon Musk has done for Twitter, right? It's gone. It's literally done. <laughs> we have thoughts right? on that. Right. Like like he destroyed (laughs) it, you know, and I even walk through a whole method of like October of 2022. He comes in with like a kitchen sink being like, I'm going to throw away everything but the kitchen sink. Remember that? Like so cocky spoke to someone from Twitter yesterday morning who told us that story. Who was working during that takeover. And they said it was like a hostile takeover. Yeah. And so he was so. The the person we interviewed said that Elon Musk brought the sink in to say like let that sink in, like oh I my bought- gosh, it's just so stupid. Just like again, I'm, which is even so... worse than I'm throwing everything out but the chicken, the but the, the chicken, chicken sink, sink, right? The chicken right, sink, the chicken sink, the chicken sink. That's 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 he, he I might, mean, the that, sink, that's also a chicken, right? But he, you know, <laughs> they, they might have already expressed this, but like. The first thing he did was he got rid of all the employee resource groups. So any resource group that was around um, women leadership, any resource group around LGBTQ, any resource groups around. There was one called Blackbirds, which was black women mm-hmm. taken away immediately. Right. That was the first step he did to make it just an unsafe space. And then he started laying people off and then he laid off way too many people that he didn't even realize that he had laid off way too many people. Like it's and unbelievable the what Twitter, he did. The ex Twitter employee said the majority of people who are left are people here on like eight. What is it? H one B visas. Yeah, H one visa. Yep. Okay. Um, so I'm he has really... control over them. Yeah, yep. that's exactly what this. Did he this talk about said. or did the Twitter employee talk about the hardcore, the hardcore thing? Yeah, where you either you have to sign like a loyalty. Yeah. Thing and yeah, went into that as well. It was so wild. when he did that, and I could even share my screen if you want to see it. But when he did that, it showed there's a really powerful photo of pre Elon that shows a significant amount of women, and then post Elon, where all those dudes that like hung out with him at 1 a.m. and did code or whatever. And it's all these dudes that look just like him. They did code. Like it's, and then you were like, no, they did code. Yeah. It was just Nerd. like, dude, no, this is just ridiculous. So, yeah. And then he's like considered really smart when SpaceX is struggling. Tesla is losing money. Like. 
And I don't, Why? and I think at the end of the day, when we had that amazing interview with the ex-Twitter employee, we all came to the conclusion, like, do you think it can even be saved? And it's like, if he gets out of his own way, it could potentially be saved. But the way it looks right now, it doesn't seem that way. Like, I feel no. like this was a terrible investment on his part. And he even tried to back out of it. Yeah. 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 Because he he really and, and that's just one example. Right. Like, I don't want to just like yeah, focus on course. him, but it's this idea of like same example with with Jeff Bezos. 1999 Jeff Bezos. A lot of people like that guy that it was the co- one of the coolest places addressing one of some of the most interesting tech issues there that were people were facing at the time. Right. Like even like, can we even sell books online? Right. So it was a place to be. But then he bought into his own BS. Right. And now now he's like launching, you know, rockets into space that look like his wang. Like, it's just it's ridiculous that like also like and he, his whole <laughs> body transformation from like I know like, like regular like dad bod kind of to like somebody who's on Anavar to a villain Deca, to str- to a yeah, villain to I, I haven't seen this Let Lex me have Luther. I mean it's a great he, body transformation but I feel like that coupled with that Im- immense wealth makes people oh, kind yeah. of like go a little nuts yeah. Oh my well, god, I he does it's... look like Lex Luthor. Yeah, he is like he, he a looks living exactly green. like him. And like again, you get so detached from reality and you buy into your own BS. No, but I mean, but t- but tying it to Barbie, because I loved Barbie and how much they talked about the patriarchy, right? And talked to they show like the patriarchy does not benefit most men. Like most men are not Elon, most men are not Jeff Bezos, but that is what's sold to you. That's what's sold to men. Like you have to be this way. Like there's even the whole Andrew Tate, Joe Rogan manosphere movement pushes this thing of like, you have to be a high value man, which means you have to have a lot of money. You have to have mm-hmm. a lot of muscles. And that's when you start and a really nice car and a house so that you can get the girl. Right. And it's just like, dude, women don't even want that. Most women don't want just that. They want someone that has, emotional intelligence but you know we're not even focused on that we're focused on trying to be like these toxic dudes and like these it's, alpha it's, males yeah yeah these but these fake alpha males right because mm-hmm. i even used to talk about this alpha male is not even a real thing so what do you think so wait now i'm interested in alpha male what is the definition in your opinion of what an alpha male is and why doesn't it actually exist so my understanding, and let me make sure I I get this right. Because I feel like so. If you literally I- type in "alpha male is fake," um, uh, you know, a bunch of articles come up about it, right? And so the the term "alpha male" uh was first invented by David Mech. Uh, and what he was, he was uh, he was a, a scientist uh, that was studying wolves and he was studying wolves in captivity oh, for a right. for a book called The Wolf Ecology and Behavior of Endangered Species. 
Makes sense. So what but what he noticed was that he was studying wolves in captivity. But when he he revised it because those alpha males were the ones that were like top dog and, you know, I have to be the best and blah, blah, blah. But then when he he changed that study in 1999, when he studied wolf packs out in the wild and he found that there was no alpha male that we just somebody else brought this study up on one of our interviews. And I'm blanking who it was, but they said once the alpha male was removed from the pack, the sort of middle men um, who were like helpful towards the 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 women wolves. No, this was monkeys. It was monkeys. And then all all the monkeys die, like all the bad monkeys were taken out and the whole system changed. Like it was so much more like like peaceful and working towards a similar goal. And was that yeah. what this guy also found? Well, no, this wolf? is this is slightly different. So David Mech found in 1999 that the wolf pack is run by a strong female and a strong male. Right. Mm-hmm. And they look out for the most vulnerable, the oldest of the wolves. And usually the the strong female wolf is sometimes the strongest. So she so she walks yeah. from the back you know, covering the vulnerability. Yeah. Right. And so, and then anyone that exhibits certain alpha male qualities that is affecting the pack can get ostracized. Right. So really what the study of alpha males is, it's the study of insecure animals in captivity, like in a jail or something like that. So mm-hmm. when a guy goes, I'm an alpha male, really what you're saying is you're a scared animal in prison. That's really what you're saying. So so it's funny that we use the term and we're claiming the term because like that term is even incorrect. Like, you know, you don't want to be that because that is not actually healthy. Why is alpha male almost used like interchangeably with, you know, a, like with being a successful man? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Before we dive back into uncovering the complexities of toxic workplaces, we have an important request for you. If you find our discussions eye-opening and thought-provoking, consider subscribing to Let's Break Up Toxic Workplace Stories. Subscribing not only ensures you catch every episode, but also helps us reach a broader audience with our message of positivity and change. But that's not all. Leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform goes a long way in spreading awareness about the impact of toxic workplaces on individuals and the solutions we explore together. Because, in my opinion, us men are looking for a quick answer for how we show up, right? Like, we don't know what it means to be a man, right? So we're like, you know, we're constantly looking for what that means. You know, you've always were told, especially if, you know, you had like a very patriarchal family of just like, be a man, suck it up, you know, don't cry, all these things. And if you grow up in that society where you feel very unsafe, then you're like, okay, I want to be a man. Who's a man here? That guy, the guy that's bullying everyone or the guy that has all the power. I wouldn't say he's bullying everyone because I'd be like, that guy is the coolest. That guy is getting the most women. That guy has the most money. That guy has the most power. So I want to be that, right? That's usually what you do when you're coming from an insecure place. That's why a lot of dudes join frats when they first arrive to university, because again, they don't know who they are and they're scared 
that they'll look stupid. So if they join a frat, then they'll be surrounded by other men and they can act a little bit stronger. Right. Like those are some of the things that we do because we're coming from a place of 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 a lot of fear. Okay, so what if you have someone who is successful, who can be aggressive, but is also kind? Like aggressive when needed. Um, are you like that? I, never happens? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Right. Like, you know, I talk a lot about healthy masculinity and what's healthy masculinity. You know, your your willingness to be vulnerable, your willingness to say that you're wrong. Right. Like in in parts of South Asia, men hold hands, straight men hold hands. If you did that in America, You'd be considered gay, which is so scary for a straight man to be told, because then that demasculates guys. If you notice any time a movie like Barbie comes out or or someone like I think it was like Michael B. Jordan was was like hugging another guy and he's a straight guy. They were like, why are women always trying to demasculate us like it triggers so many men that were like. No, we're not allowed to be men anymore, right? Because they're so worried about power being taken from them. And they think that that is what's happening right now, especially because women are graduating at a faster rate than men. Women are beginning to earn more than men. And we're scrambling because we don't know what to do. So there's like been this backlash of men being like, oh, well, women are just gold diggers. Well, actually, that doesn't make sense. They make more money than us. They don't need our money anymore. So that's not a good argument. Well, they're, you know, they just hate men and they're all they just they just they just all want to be lesbians or something. They like just make all these we, we make all these claims up because we don't want to face the reality of like we haven't evolved. We haven't gotten better. We're still embracing a lot of the patriarchal things that were happening in the 1950s. And it scares us because we don't know how to get better as a as a society. So there's this really interesting comedian called Bill Burr. Yeah, um, we know him. Uh, and, you know, some people like him. Some people, you know, he's all over the place. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But he had this really good joke of, like 10 years ago where he talks about Anytime a guy is with other guys, any straight guys, let's just talk. We're just talking straight guys Mm -hmm. and a straight guy does something reasonable like it's raining and he has an umbrella. He pulls out his umbrella. All the other guys will be like, look at this fucking guy with his umbrella. Like, what a you know, like what a you know, and the derogatory gay term, right? The Mm -hmm. the F Mm -hmm. term, right? Mm -hmm. And. Or like he orders pancakes with bananas and he's like, this guy ordered pancakes with bananas. Do you want to stick that banana up your ass? Like, oh, my God, I was about to say that. (laughs) See, like there's this constant. Trying to trying to insult the guy by demasculating him and saying you're gay. When what's really interesting is so many things that a lot of straight men do, especially like sports like football, are quite intimate. Mm-hmm. Like you're putting your hand like right in that dude's ass as you're getting a ball. Right. You know, when you wrestle, I just heard this when when they wrestle, they'll stick a finger up each other's butts as like a way in, as part of the strategy. Right. Or like so weird stuff where like I think there's a lot of closeted gay men 
that are not able to express that. So then they go over the top with being like, I'm a I'm a man. I'm a straight man. And I'm going to make fun of you as much as possible when we're all on a gender spectrum. Right. Like when we're all like, can we embrace the fact that like you I I can find a guy attractive and also not want to sleep with this guy. Right. But can Correct. you say that with other men? Oh, no, that would be considered gay. Right. So. I think we overtly do those jokes as a way of masking the fact that like maybe we want to communicate a certain level of intimacy, but so I can't. That's where I that's where I ended up with. I was like, I was like, you know, like guys are so weird like that. And I asked him, I was like, do you think it's just like, you know, they really like each other, but they don't know how to be like that, like that's my yes. guy. Like I really like him. I love yes. like we say that about our girlfriends, right? I'll be like nobody needs to fuck with so-and-so because that's my girl. I got her. Like, I love her yeah. so much, but that's not acceptable for men to say it. So then it comes that, out like on this, like weird homosexual bashing kind of thing, which exactly, I don't understand. Exactly. Exactly. Because, because it's that whole thing of what I said earlier, right. Of just like the old, think about it. The only time in which two men, two straight men can hug in Western culture is when their team wins a championship. Like, can you, can you like think about that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like embrace yeah. and be like, I love you, man. You know, or like, or when you're drunk or something like that, like it's, mm -hmm. it's either looked down upon. So then they don't know how to express this. So yeah, then it comes out in all these other weird, messed up sexual innuendo ways, you know? And then they're like, yeah. I'm just joking around. I'm just joking I'm around joking, the whole I'm time. Joking. I'm joking. And then that same sexual innuendo stuff also then is very dangerous because then they actualize that with women that then can be very aggressive sexually to women because again, they don't know how to express themselves like they, and don't, they don't know how to be like not... friends with women. As well, or like they they weren't taught how to be intimate emotion. It's like emotional intimacy and emotional intelligence. Yes, it's like yes. I I I think like especially in America, I think we're doing everyone a disservice by not like teaching like emotional maturity somehow. Yes. Like I don't know how yes. you can teach it. That's not obviously not my forte, but like once I became emotionally mature, which I was a hard case, it took me a long time. Things got so much better. I became less angry. Mm -hmm. I like was a little bit more laid back. And it's like, you know, I I guess men are just not taught. Like, it's okay to talk about something that's bothering you. You don't have to walk around and be annoyed. You know, like, say what's bothering you. It's not the end of the world. Um, You know, say that so-and-so is my really good friend and I really like him. Like, that sounds less homosexual have our, that just sounds like a blanket statement like there's no right. sexual innuendo right so right. why can't men but just we didn't that? we didn't get to practice that like if we got to practice that as kids then it yeah. wouldn't be that big of a deal now but because we didn't get to practice that mm -hmm. and the only time we were able to communicate any level of of uh intimacy was you know with our mom or something like that right and anytime like a woman showed us any level of of like emotional, you know, safety, then we were mm -hmm. like, oh, that woman must be attracted to me rather than like that woman is just being is being a, a friend of mine. Right. So we also then misinterpret how other people treat us because we've never been treated that way.
a yes. leader, a male leader, right, will fancy a certain girl or a certain woman, right? And then she doesn't give him the time of day, starts cutting projects, starts starts ostracizing her from meetings, starts punishing her in all these ways because that's his only way of 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 getting back at her because he showed her a side of vulnerability that now he's like very embarrassed that he showed mm. to anybody. So there is a level of embarrassment to it. Oh, there's a ma- it's it's so much shame and embarrassment. Shame and embarrassment drives a lot of toxic behavior in men, right? Because like we don't want to look we don't want to look weak. We don't want to look like we're demasculated. We don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. Um, and think about it with the most toxic male leaders. When was the last time you ever heard them say, I don't know, right? Like they are beyond sometimes delusional in their narcissism. Um, remember Fire Festival guy? Do you remember that dude? Oh my God, yes, what a twit. Another doing fire too. I can't even deal with my life. Right, Nicola? Like that dude has the caucasity, not even the, the audacity. Caucasity. Oh my the God, that caucasity. is the best terminology I think I've ever heard in my lifetime. That guy, like, how the fuck has how? he decided how? that he is fucking cool? What are they going to get this time? Like a fucking chicken wrap. You you just went to jail for this. Like it did you just went to jail for Fire oh, Festival. And I then just, in jail, you were like, planning. you know what I got an idea for? Another fire festival. Oh boy. What? Do I have the what? plan for you. And he believes people are gonna invest. And you know what's the crazy part? Some people might. Some crazy oh, sad individuals might. Okay, I'll tell you why they're going to invest. They're going to invest because they want their name attached to the shit show because that got huge yep. publicity. Yeah, They're going to invest because they want the, the connection. And you know what? People are going to go because people yeah. want to see the chaos. They want... <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be like Burning Man, but worse. You know, oh like, God, you're just going to get, you're gonna get right stranded. Now. But yeah, yeah, but the caucasity of some men you know, is is beyond reproach. Like you just you just are amazed at their boldness. Um, And especially after they've either gone to jail or lost a ton of money. The WeWork guys, another great example, loses a billion dollars at WeWork, just got funded for a hundred million dollar new fund. Like, why are people continuing to give him money? He's just got big dick energy. And then Dude. he comes in with his big dick energy and just gets all the money. From, I'm assuming, small penis dudes that also are like, I love this man. Yeah. It's bizarre. Well, but it's he's bizarre. like, to me, he's like the definition of a cult leader. Like yeah. he has, yeah. like, it's yeah. even beyond yep. toxic masculinity. It's like yep. he's, he's like he another has, level. Yeah. He yep. has the ability to sell you. Like he, this is what I, in my mind, I equate it to whoever came up and we're all old enough to remember this. Do you remember when you could buy a star? Oh my God. And I like, bought a star. Oh yeah. What a fucking scam, right? You're literally getting a piece of paper that says you bought this star and you're paying like 99 bucks. That guy fucking laughed all the way to the goddamn bank. And I'm still pissed That's that true. I didn't think about it first. 
right? That's true. So he, the WeWork guy, what's his name again? I forgot. It's Adam like, Newman, I think. Adam Newman, right. Okay. Yeah. He is the living, breathing, buying a star certificate. He's selling them nothing. He, because literally it wasn't selling texting. community, community. He is, right. But really, when it came down to it, it was just like shitty offices in an open yep. work setting. Yep. It wasn't it wasn't a tech app. It wasn't an app of any kind. He was literally just selling rental office office spaces. Yes. Which right. is like, let me give you a ton of money so I could be part of this, which also reminds me of um, Billy McFarland when he came out with that card that invest. Remember, it was yep. like the X card and there was like the, the X townhouse card. Yep. Yep. Right. Whatever it was called. And I remember when it first came out, one of my potential clients was like, well, we have an X card and maybe you want to meet at the X townhouse. And for some reason, I was like, this just is gross. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm traveling, even though I wasn't. I was like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to meet there or ever, period. And like, but this is like an MLM bank card. Yeah, it kind of. I mean, yeah. and I think he misappropriated all the funds. Like it was a whole disaster. But um. Again, these are people who have the ability to like charm you through words. Yeah. And become like larger than life characters. <laughs> but they're selling you nothing. Yeah. Yes, well, they, they're selling think you ab- the star. Right. But think about what they're doing. They are they identify where you feel insecure, mm-hmm. right? Fire festival. You you don't you don't want to have FOMO. You want to be at this party. If you're not at this mm-hmm. party, you're irrelevant, right? We work. You got to get joined this train before or you're just you're again not going to be relevant. You're in a the loser. Greater scheme of things. You're going to be a loser. You, don't, you can't come to the we work events on the weekend, which literally right. sounded god awful. Right. And he even started a we school at one point. Like oh, he had bought into so much. But but the, the, and this might sound a little controversial. I don't just blame them. I, in many ways, blame also everyone that promotes them, everyone that supports them. So great example, Wolf of Wall Street guy, right, goes Mm -hmm. to jail for ripping people off. They make a movie about him. He now is on MSNBC and CNBC on a regular basis. Like and they he's call telling him people in. how not to get conned. The original he's telling, con people, he's telling, he's telling people, people how to how to invest money. And you're like, dude, this dude ripped off hundreds of millions of people. Why but, are we listening like, to him? It's not even just that. It's like you you're being rewarded. Yes. For, for being for doing naughty shit. Yes. So, so, okay, so, so where is the social justice here? So does that mean that I can go and be uh fraudulent fraudster and i'm gonna go to prison for like two minutes and be like yeah. hello here is my investment strategy they they go they go to jail for a shorter period of time than someone that robs a liquor store oh, okay no, for especially if they're a person of color a, a minimal amount of, of marijuana right so yeah. so so you know this this might sound weird or slightly controversial, but like, why do you think there's so much crime happening around at least the U.S. right now? Is because everyone that you watch on TV is breaking the law from a former president to the Supreme Court to all these people in corporate, and they're getting away with it 
So then why won't I break into a car and just steal stuff? Everyone else is getting theirs, right? Like the moral compass is so skewed right you, now. You, you know, when you it take really a compass is. to like a, a location and there's just like magnets or whatever in the mountain and the compass goes. It's like what you're saying, because everyone in our society is like being rewarded for doing criminal Bad. thing. Yeah. 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 And so for. for and. And and, she was like and, really and only some of these are being policed, right? Right. Some people are being policed and others are allowed to do whatever they want. And mm-hmm. I yeah. think, you know, and I've talked about this before, but like the origins of police in the U.S. at least comes from slavery. It's it comes from slave patrols. The whole point. That's why loitering is a crime, because when, you know, slaves would be walking around or walking outside of their Outside of their plantation, slave patrols would round them up and send them back to their slave plantation. So to this day, the police or at least many of that, many of it is to police a certain part of society. Right. While other people are allowed to break whatever laws they want to break and no one cares. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, You know, when you when you look at certain professions like police, like Mm -hmm. um, I think this also happens with firefighters a little bit, uh, pilots, you know, there are certain professions where toxic masculinity thrives even more because it's a lot of it. It's about power. It's a lot of it of exerting a certain level of of power. And that it's tough, man. It's tough to. So circling back to what you said earlier, like you're just seeing, okay, we're seeing it. You're seeing it. We're just seeing a yeah. whole bunch of people that are just hating their fucking jobs. Right. We've got yeah. people left, right and yeah. center. Like I just fucking hate my life. Do you think, and this is a question for both of you, because I'm, I'm curious to know, cause like, as we're talking, it's kind of making my, you know, brain juice moderately weird. Cause um. <laughs> is yeah go ahead so we have these environments where we have Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity we have we know we have a a a very strong patriarchal system we're seeing some changes in some countries but overall it's male pale stale up at the top yeah then you have the added like layers of we've got you know climate crisis we've we've just come out the other end of covid crisis now yeah. we're sliding like a train wreck into like this inflation cost of living drama, um, you know, just unobtainable expenses that, mm-hmm. you know, are just ridiculous. Do you think that this whole compounding shit show is really what is driving this? I actually just don't have the mental capacity to work. Like this is awful. I, yeah. I, before I, Jeff oh, answers, I just want to say, we all know that everything that's going on right now, like especially in America, I could really only speak for America. Everyone's mental health in America is in the trash. Yes. It's in the trash. I think it was previously in the trash, but I think the pandemic, yes, really highlighted it because you couldn't like, you couldn't get away from yourself because you were stuck in home. So it's like everywhere you go, there you are. Right. So it's like, now you're really feeling like, oh, my God, like I have racing thought, whatever you're depressed, whatever the case is. So it's like I think I think when when I'm depressed and I do take medication for depression, which I've spoken about, I become non-functioning. And I the last thing I want to do is work. 
I don't even want to mm-hmm. get out of bed. I don't even want to open my eyes, yeah. let alone work. Yeah. Do you think it could potentially be, first of all, our whole world is like basically falling apart, but also depression. Like, is the American yeah. workforce just like very depressed? And I think, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I think there's a there were a lot of epiphanies that that Americans found out about the workplace during the pandemic. They real they knew that their companies didn't care about them, but they didn't realize to the extent. Mm-hmm. And when their companies were trying to force them back into work, and you saw places like Tyson Food where they forced their staff back into factories, and then people died. And you were like, and then you had Elon Musk being like, yeah, Tesla, you have to show up to, you know, the the car lines and whatever, whatever, things like that. And more people were put at risk. Then all of a sudden you were like, oh, you not only do you not care about me, but you're willing to sacrifice my life so that you can make just a little bit more profit. And I think that just put people to the edge. That's why the great resignation happened the way it happened and and why Gen Z drove it, right? Mm-hmm. But what is interesting is, you know, I find toxicity and toxic masculinity thrives in silence. That's what they want. They want everyone to be divided. They want everyone they want, you know, you to to feel as if everyone else is really bad when this might sound weird but this is a great uh, this is the perfect opportunity because the patriarchy seems so fragile right now mm-hmm. it's the fact that a movie like barbie can threaten the patriarchy it's a movie for good it's only 2 hours people like it's not that scary and people are freaking out about it is awesome right the fact that you have men acting like children, like having temper tantrums. I just saw, I'm going to make a a video about this, of like this pastor literally taking a bat, taping a Bible to it, and smashing a Barbie house just to show that, that, you know, they're fighting, they're fighting wokeism or whatever term they want to use. Like this is, this is the opportunity in many ways we've been looking for because like it's had to get this bad for us to realize what's not working because in order for us to, for example, heal the planet, we need to embrace much more healthy femininity. We need to have a balance that currently is not existing, right? Where, where both masculine and feminine can exist in, in one, in, in, in our leaders. Right. I talk a lot about just the monkey and the wolves. Right. I talk a lot about Jacinda Ardern, the former New Zealand ah, prime minister. What know, a queen. Healthy masculine. Close the borders. Set boundaries. Did all these really things from a healthy masculine standpoint, but also healthy feminine, compassionate, empathetic, made sure people had money, made sure they had UBI, made sure they didn't have to go to the office. What happened? Lowest COVID rates, lowest COVID death rates in the world. This is what can happen However, when we celebrate leaders like that. Now, I know there are other issues with her. No, but then but... what happens was the, the because we love a bit of toxicity, don't we? Mm. So she's doing all of these things that are keeping mm-hmm. us as unbelievably safe. Yeah. And all they're commenting on is what she's wearing. Um, yep. She had the highest rate of bullying online than yep. any other prime minister had ever had. She wow. had people just, 
you know, attacking her on a daily basis based on her looks, what she said, what she's, you know, you do it. So the more we call the more we call out on this behavior and talk about how it's so antiquated and in the past and the more we push back on patriarchy and toxic masculine leaders, Mm -hmm. the more it's it's going to get bad. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But Mm -hmm. what is happening is is great. Right. Because like you first have to identify that you have an illness and that you're unhealthy in order to address this. Right. So it is a really bad for a time for America. And a lot of America is depressed and also great because now we have an opportunity to go to therapy if we want to. We can also just Mm -hmm. spiral down and we'll see what what we end up choosing to do. But but. I love the fact that a lot of women are challenging men to step up, you know, in ways that they haven't in the past and that they won't mm-hmm. tolerate or they just won't marry men or or be with men anymore if they're just going to continue to do the crappy things that they did before. You know, there's a lot of studies that find that women actually live a longer life when they're not with a guy. I only want to bring a partner in if it's going to improve my life. So I love that women are pushing to higher standards. Now, having said that, what are some men doing? We're we're backlashing, right? We're mm-hmm. we're getting more aggressive. What are um, who's um, who's represents a majority of shootings? Men, right? Because like we mm-hmm. don't know how to handle our loneliness. And at this time, there are all these articles that are like, well, men are lonely. So what should we do about it? It's like, well, women shouldn't compromise to adapt to the fact that men are lonely. It's the fact that, like, we have to raise our standards. Level of up. It's like, yeah, you got to level, level up. up. The, or just be like or or expand what it means to be a man. And we're we're currently struggling with that identity crisis right now. I didn't. Un- this is why I love Barbie so much. There is uh, that. There's like, I don't know, a soliloquy or rant by American Ferrera of what it's like to yes. be a woman. I, read I had that. never I had never known any of that as a man. I didn't know what that's like. I didn't know what it's like to always feel like you have to be perfect, but nothing's ever great enough. enough right. You know, like that is exhausting. Like, well, I think I that's find why it- most women have such shitty self-esteem because we're always aiming for perfection. But then we're like, oh, we're also like, then we talk negatively to ourselves. Right. Because we can't be too much or too little. We can't be too revealing or too conservative. Like you have to strike the perfect balance. And it's impossible because everyone's perfect is subject is subjective. Right. And in addition to that, just like the level of safety. Right. Like I can walk around at night as a six foot brown guy in Oakland, but most women, I would not recommend you walk around after a certain period of time. Like like listening to my I go to I stay at a lot of hotels when I'm speaking, listening to my friends that are women speakers, the amount of extra things they have to do to make sure that they're safe going to a hotel is obscene, like in relation to what I have to do. Right. From like making sure someone doesn't follow them in the elevator, making sure they don't know the room number, like making sure the door's locked. They even have an extra lock that they bring mm-hmm. to block the door, like all yep. these extra things. And I'm like, man, it is so much more exhausting to be a woman. And meanwhile, anytime a man has any level of 
of like challenge, we start to freak out because we're like, oh, my gosh, it's so horrible out here. Like, it's not easy for men anymore. And you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, what are you talking? About? Yeah. What do men say? That's not easy. I'm 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 interested to hear what. Do oh, they think well, is when easy? well, well, right now where you're like, oh, well, women, you know, women have so many high standards now. Oh, my gosh. You know, they're they're you know, Oh, you mean we just want normal human decency? Yeah. Such a fucking high standard. Or 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 we talked about this before, right? When the Me Too movement came and they were like, whoa, now I can't say anything to women. And you were like, what were you saying to women before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, what the like, fuck were you saying? What can you not have a normal conversation without saying Making a sexual, sexual innuendo yeah. in the middle of it? Like, are you that bad? Like, do you talk to that few women? You know, how are you talking to your mother? Exactly. Yeah. What? Like, I don't get it. Do you have? I don't get it. Well, and, you know, not to go so far into this because I don't want to get too personal, but like. I've seen where I've noticed men are most uh, um, vindictive towards women and uh, like mentally abusive towards women and sometimes physically abusive towards women is when they themselves have not had a good relationship with their mom and they're mm -hmm. getting back at women or getting back at their mom through that woman. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad, but like, and it's that a lot sad. of trauma again, it's a lot of trauma that they're not willing to address. And it's not popular for a lot of men to go to therapy um, so they don't address it. So instead, they use this as like an opportunity to treat women in a piss poor way. And it's really sad. How do we change the narrative for men? Wait, is it so what do you puberty? mean change the narrative? What like, do you mean change by the changing narrative the narrative of how we're raising our sons to I mean, not? It, yeah. I mean, the, the way we do it is we show more vulnerable affection towards Boys. boys at a younger boys, age, yeah. like like yeah. we show them how to communicate their emotions through words. Right. We show them not just tell them. Right. Because I think there's a lot of like telling like this is how what you should do. But men should be exhibiting a certain level of healthy masculinity towards each other. You know, a, a group that gives me a lot of hope is um, uh, stay at home dads. I've hmm. there are some conferences I used to I used to know people that would go to this conference called Dad 2.0. There's another conference called At Home Dads, and it's a lot of dads that are either stay at home dads or dads that spend a lot of time with their kids. And there's a lot of healthy masculinity and healthy femininity. Right. So they they do the laundry. They change the diapers. Because that they is have not, to. They, they cook. They do all the things. So yeah. it's not like women's work and men's work anymore right like we are able to embrace a more complex way um of showing up so i think when we're willing to embrace more of the gender spectrum of like i have healthy feminine traits and i have healthy masculine traits and i'm going to show my kids how to do that that is where i think there can be healing but as long as mm. we as long as we polarize, right, as long as we're like women first men and they're this and this is that and we're not willing to like embrace the complexity of it, that both men are aggressive and also they're very lonely. How do we want? Mm -hmm. Let's have conversations around that. Right. You know, 
the more we're able to have those conversations and sit in the both and that's when the healing is going to start to happen. And that's what, that's the stuff I advocate. So what, what was like, you seem like, you seem like you'd be a great boyfriend or husband to a woman if that's what you want to do. But um, how, how, why did you become such a proponent of, you know, like doing this? I mean, I know you had some incidences in your work, um, but like, was there? Well, I'll try to answer it. I know, okay, I know where see. it comes. Do you I, know I what think I'm I know getting where it comes at? From. Okay, yeah. So, so again, right from my origin story, I'm a play person. I yes. love to play like that is my jam. And the reason why I love to play is play creates harmony. Play builds um, relationships with people. People see each other's inner child that way. That's where I think a lot of healing comes from through play. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, mm -hmm. world, uh, a war was started for a night Christmas Eve in the trenches because of play. Right. So I see the power of play. Play is very is very feminine. It's collaborative. It's intuitive. It's all these things. So because I've embraced play, I have a lot of feminine traits that balance out the masculine traits. And because of that, I'm like, oh, when we play more, we get along more. And I just want people to get along more. Like, I just want a workplace to not suck. So when I go into a workplace and I'm like, why are y'all making it harder than you have to? Why do you have Chad in charge of everybody when Chad is currently under investigation for sexual harassment? Five people have quit because of this guy. And also everyone is less productive every time he's at a meeting because he takes up 80% of the meeting. If we address yeah. Chad and not just him, like, let's not just get rid of him. Like maybe the strategy is to get rid of him, but it's like, but we set boundaries, meaning like we don't support that behavior. Everyone doesn't like, everyone likes work a little bit better. Like, why don't we do that? We're like at work 2000 to 2,500 hours a, a year. Why are we putting ourselves through all this pain and suffering? So like, that's the vibe that I have. I'm just like, I see people miserable at work all the time. And I'm like, I say it all the time. Work sucks, but it doesn't have to. So why are no. we letting it suck so much? Because we're allowing toxicity and toxic masculinity to thrive. That's why. So can you give us an example of maybe an exercise? You would have like a Chad team or a team run by Chad, like in your example yeah. that you just um, gave us. Like, what would you have them do with play? Like to kind of work, I don't know, so to work out the an situation? an example of or... this, example, and, and the way I use play is like, it's experimental, right? So it's like mm -hmm. play is just all about testing stuff out. So let's say you have a Chad that takes up a majority of your meetings, like 80% of the meeting, they just talk all the time. So then what the play would be for you to talk to everyone else in the meeting and be like, listen, Every time Chad cuts you off, every time Chad cuts off Gina or Nic Nicola, like be like, oh, excuse me, Chad, Gina was just about to share something. And also Gina's like the project lead on this. So she probably should have, you know, she has a lot to say about this. So let's make sure, you know, we hear from her. Right. The more we start sending boundaries around Chad, the more it becomes less toxic for everybody else and more toxic for him. And then he has to decide, do I change my behavior because I still want influence here? Or can I not act like a like a three-year-old child having a temper tantrum? So I'm going to leave 
and then I'm going to leave the organization. So do that over three to six months where you have strategies around how you're going to start to take back over the meeting. That's Mm -hmm. one way. Another way is if Chad is the one that's running your meetings, right? And he's talking the whole time, confront that person directly and be like, what's the, what's the point of our meetings is the point of our meetings for us to like brainstorm and get a lot of ideas. If it is right now, that's not happening because you're talking a lot. Is that your goal? Like, what's your goal, right? What's your intent? Like come from a place of objectivity, but challenge the notion of like, what is actually happening? What we usually do is we just don't say anything. And we're just like, well, that's just the culture. Everyone loves Chad. That's not the case. There's a lot of allies that just like aren't able to speak up because they don't see other people challenging power. And really what we need to do is challenge toxic power more. Right. So how would you do that through play, though? I think that that's I think that was my question. How would you handle a Chad situation with what you teach people in terms of play? But that's so what I'm saying is just like the play is in the experiment of these different strategies of challenging. So like play is how am I going to cut him off at work in in the workplace? Or how am I going to cut him off in the meeting? How am I going to give more room for everyone else to speak? Right. Like let's ex- let's play with that experiment of us finally taking over the meeting over the next three months. Another right, play I'm is like thinking you're going to bring out like the battleships. And yeah. Be like, like now you. We're not going to bust out Legos and just be like, "Okay, everybody, let's do the thing." eh? it's more like let's experiment. I'm going to that workshop. Just side note: I'm going to the Lego workshop. Which which Lego workshop are you doing? Workshop where there's candy and um, maybe some creativity play, like maybe some painting or sand art, or or like or or like the little like you're making like a little pot with clay. Yes. It's pottery. And the and and the other play that I would also challenge people to do is and then I'm like, I'm gonna confront Chad. Oh, I'm a little nervous about it. Okay, let's practice. Like let's mm. I will be tend to be Chad and you be the other person and let's practice over and over again. Let's run this scenario over and over again so that when you actually walk into that room, you're more likely to know how to adapt to it and you won't get as nervous and you know and you know back down. Right. Mm, so that's mm. what I'm talking about. Experiment constant okay. being open to failure, constantly trying many different things out that are pushing power. Here I was thinking that you were like bringing balls and shit on your like, <laughs> like your conference. I mean, I can. Like, I've done that catch too. The ball. But... Did, was I way off base on that, Nicola? Did you think that too? Yes. We Every day is a school day for us. These oh my days, God. This literally. whole week has been a fucking school We've day. just been, we've been. Ha- our asses have been handed to us over and over and over again. This whole week. You, know, you learn from it this whole week because we're like, we learned so much this week. It's been nuts. You know what I, good. you know what my biggest learning from this, I'd say this week was, was what? probably, I, I'm going to say, I reflecting on myself and not understanding the full scope of life. I didn't realize that neurodiversity is no longer a spectrum. I did not understand that. And I now understand that it is more of a color wheel. It's more of a color wheel. And I get Mm -hmm. that now. And I acknowledge that maybe I failed on that front and progressed the negative narrative around. We have. You and I have. 
you and I have even on our first season of the podcast, because we were like, we were very quick to be like, oh, maybe that person was neurodivergent. And it's like, we're just using that word like blanket, like in a blanket sense. And that's not at all. Okay. So we learned that. And I think I, I think my favorite, like that was a good lesson for us to learn that like we're being closed minded without even realizing, like we didn't set out to be that way. Um, But I think my favorite thing that I learned about was um, data science and natural languages. Like I'm just blown away that people do that. That's Mm. like a job. Like like someone is a job. Like it's not have weird jobs. No, but it's so cool. Like I would never be able to do it, but I, it's like the coolest thing ever. That was my fun learning experience for this week. Something else that comes up when you share this is I think also what we need to be challenging is we need to be challenging systems of power, but having empathy for people. I think we a lot of times, and I do it myself, I did it earlier with Elon Musk, right? We demonize people but we don't challenge the system that put those people up in the first place. And the more that we can actually challenge the system that celebrates toxicity, the less we're going to actually produce toxic leaders. And, and the way we do that is we have to obviously build more empathy for each other. So if we can do that, then there's, I think that's the overarching thing that I've learned the most since we started this podcast is better like the better leaders we have are always empathetic Mm -hmm. yeah like empathetic vulnerable yep you know not afraid to say that was my fault i messed up so the more we can celebrate empathetic compassionate leaders that um display shared humanity and prop them up the more we can actually start to heal workplaces. That's mm-hmm. all of the work that I'm just trying to do is like, can we celebrate more of the Jacinda Ardern's and people like that rather mm-hmm. than us continuing to celebrate the patriarchal Rockefellers of the past that are not, they're just not contributing. They're just not helping. They're not serving. And anyway. and frankly, in many ways, tying it back to climate change, they're, they're narcissistic ways of being is what's destroying the planet like it's just not sustainable because they constantly mm-hmm. want to win and they constantly want more and more and more and that's just not healthy anymore so it isn't and nice. i think i think we are starting to see a shift right we're starting to see this shift in actually that's not good enough yeah you know i think granted it's a small shift but you are starting to see it in certain places you know the great resignation ah that's actually well, not good enough well i don't even know if it's small because like strikes that are happening with writers you know mm-hmm. there's the strikes that were happening with flight attendants just strike that happened with ups workers and then yes, they got yeah. huge rages there's a strike there's strikes that are about to happen with all the major car dealerships in the us so like it's building it's happening. It's like it's coming together. There's a brown um, brown swell. Yeah. Who do I have to join? I, I would like to join a movement. That's the that's the movement we're gonna join. If I have the having consistent bowel movement. movements. That's another thing between men and women. When can men can poop anywhere? They're like always so regular. I'm like lucky if I poop like once a week. Or I can't I can't use the work bathroom. Like there's no way. Oh my gosh. Really? Oh wow. Oh my god, I really? can't. Like the idea. Wow. The idea of pooping in the public bathroom, I just, oh my God, like it's so scared. It's like in my throat. 
are you worried someone's are you worried someone's gonna poop next to you or someone sitting next (laughs) to you like what are you worried about you guys can start poop. what i've done like in my household to like destigmatize pooping i'll like like i'll i'll be like i gotta go poop like i will announce it just like it's normal right my child announces it yeah oh yeah i will announce it and then like if someone's in the bathroom and i hear them i'll I'll stand out i'll stand outside the door and make fart sounds to cover theirs oh my gosh i would never poop again. I'm like, I'll be like, my, my poop would my poop would just stay in my body for the rest of eternity it no, would like, i'm like trying to help lump. the pooper out because i'm like let me distract anyone else who's if it's just me and the pooper who cares but if it's like me the net like let's say joe's pooping and it's getting loud and there's like lucia and why Shanique, is it getting loud like what sort of loud are we getting like why is it loud i don't know like gat you hear you know stuff happens i'll stand outside the door like make fart sounds to try to cover it for them. Wow. But also secretly to kind of annoy them. I will never poop at your house, in summary. I will just poop in the well, car. Well, it's just I'll you and me. The, you I'll can go the park, In the downstairs. park. For people that are not comfortable pooping, y'all are very comfortable talking about pooping. Which oh, is no, fascinating. I'm, co- I'm, I'm comfortable pooping. I can poop anywhere. The thing that I'm uncomfortable about with pooping is that I don't uh, go enough. I just want to be invisible during poop time like just make me invisible like i don't even want to know that it's happening like if but, okay can... here's a good thing though like men don't care men don't care they will like be fighting for their life in the bathroom and walk out and don't give a shit why Dude, can't we seriously i mean i mean do you see men at like sporting events or concerts like do you see how fast that bathroom line moves I and mean, we barely yeah, even wash our hands just like, there's like there's like, like there's like 80 women trying to get in the bathroom and the men's lines like two guys and they're just no, because moving they're, men are like in a word they're animals they'll just be like we're gross we're gross get it out we're super keep it gross moving. Yeah. keep it moving yeah. like yeah. we might swing our hand by the water which and is maybe so some gross. soap poop, might hit it. Any, maybe some any, soap might hit it. Any man who doesn't wash their hands after number two, you gross. Circle it back. Circle, circle, trying to circle it back. I, I, I love that we went down the poop. We went all the way down the sewer of the poop. I think that's half this episode. <laughs> I really hope we don't delete all of the poop. Wait, let, let me let me try something. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to add a soundbite that you can transition back from poop into toxicity. OK, OK. <laughs> so as we've been talking about poop and diarrhea, I really feel especially America's workplace right now we're we're a body dealing with diarrhea. And I feel like the more we take some Pepto-Bismol which is embracing some healthy femininity and some balance, we can finally get that out of our system and finally find, you know, a certain level of healthy balance to this body again. So we're we're pooping out the toxicity. That's really what I'm saying. But it's going to we're going to we're going to go through. But we had some spicy food, so we're going to go. It's going to be a little hard. It's It's going to we're going to go through some times. It's going to burn the anus. You know, and then we get to the other side. And we're gonna get to the other side, and you won't you won't know when we're gonna finish. We're gonna be like, oh, I don't know if I can get through You're this. You're gonna be clawing the like... walls, but we'll be okay. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my god, I feel like this, this has been. This is we've actually wild. had really great interviews this week. 
Yeah, this for is various just... different reasons. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So, Jeff, where us. can we find yeah. you? Yeah, where can, can people find about... you? Because I feel like everybody needs to find you. And I feel like yes. they all need to hang out with you at some point because you were just high quality. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so nice. So Agreed. if people want to see my ridiculous videos where I make fun of the workplace and talk about dismantling patriarchy through play, um, my handle is at Chef Harry Plays. So J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y-P-L-A-Y-S. And that's at TikTok, Instagram, Threads, Probably not Twitter anymore because I'm going to end that YouTube, Medium, all of all the handles, LinkedIn, all that. Okay. Um, and then if you want to cause mischief in the workplace and address power dynamics so that work doesn't suck so much anymore, then go to my website, rediscoveryourplay.com, and then just simply click on the Let's Play button and we can connect and explore how we can address all this toxicity so you can enjoy work finally instead of having (laughs) it suck so much yeah that would be awesome okay i just followed you on instagram and i love that in the first video you have you're wearing a terrible wig oh i have so many wigs i I have so many toxic Leader wigs. I have like four or five wigs. Wait, that, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm coming for this too. I'm coming. Hold yeah. on. I'm, you I'm, can't I see it because I just... Yep. This is the, but no, the yep. one in the beginning of this, your wig is god-awful and I'm here for it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they're they're the worst. They're amazing. Yeah. They're but amazing it's like, you, how ugly like they are. you walk into a, a store and you're like, give me your worst wig. It's yeah, perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. Oh my god. Exactly. Yes. This yeah, you see the blonde one. I have, I have five wigs back here, even a pink wig, like a troll wig that I make videos with. Yeah, I have to say that the, that your I'm like down your Instagram rabbit hole. I have to say that your Instagram is like the funnest thing I think I've been. On oh, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, I've been yeah, very serious to, on there if, recently. Whoever is listening but, uh, to this episode, if you are not subscribing to this channel, this has been so much fun. Yes. Sorry, we've gone way over time and I'm sure you're very busy. <laughs> But we got distracted by your Instagram. I'll talk to y'all later. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Let's Break Up, Toxic Workplace Stories. If you enjoyed our candid conversations and insights, don't forget to hit that like button, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.